Good morning and a very warm welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And yes, folks, you are right, I am stuffed with a cold, but no worries. We are here again this morning bringing the joy of the Lord to yet a new day. Because this is the day that the Lord has made and let us rejoice and be glad in it. So I hope that after your Easter you've had a wonderful time and a time of rest. We took a week's break from reading one chapter a day in our Bibles. And so we're going to resume that again today with our one chapter a day challenge. And we're going to begin with the book of Galatians. And we're going to keep reading all the way through to a little book called Philemon, which will bring us right up to the start of June. But there's a number of small books all there, one after another, which are really exciting reading, which are, for the most part, letters written. In fact, all letters written by Paul to the various churches in which he ministered. But what of the book of Job? How did you get on reading it? Isn't it exciting stuff? Let's just read an extract here as we jump into... Job chapter 35 where Elihu is speaking and this is what he says do you think this is just you say I will be cleared by God yet you ask him what profit is it to me and what do I gain by not sinning I would like to reply to you and to your friends with you look up at the heavens and see gaze at the clouds so high above you if you sin how does that affect him if your sins are many What does that do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give to him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness affects only a man like yourself. And your righteousness only the sons of men. Men cry out under a load of oppression. They plead for relief from the arm of the powerful. But no one says, Where is God my Maker? who gives songs in the night, who teaches more to us than to the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the air. He does not answer when men cry out because of arrogance or wickedness. Indeed, God does not listen to their empty plea. The Almighty pays no attention to it. How much less then will he listen when you say that you do not see him, that your case is before him, And you must wait for him, and further, that his anger never punishes, and he does not take the least notice of the wickedness. So Job opens his mouth with empty talk. Without knowledge he multiplies words. And then Elihu continued, Bear with me a little longer, and I will show you that there is more to be said in God's behalf. I get my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe justice to my Maker. Be assured that my words are not false. One perfect in knowledge is with you. God is mighty, but does not despise men. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their rights. He does not take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings and exalts them forever. But if men are bound in chains, held fast by cords of affliction, he tells them what they have done, that they have sinned arrogantly. He makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword 
and die without knowledge. The godless in heart harbour resentment. Even when he fetters them, they do not cry out. They die in their youth among male prostitutes of the shrines. But those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction, to the comfort of your table, laden with choice food. But now you are laden with the judgment due to the wicked. Judgment and justice have taken hold of you. Be careful that no one entices you by riches. Do not let a large bribe turn you aside. Would your wealth or even all your mighty efforts sustain you so you would not be in distress? Do not long for the night to drag people away from their homes. Beware of turning to evil, which you seem to prefer to affliction. God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed his ways for him? Or said to him, You have done wrong? Remember to extol his work, which men have praised in song. All mankind has seen it. Men gaze on it from afar. How great is God beyond our understanding. The number of his years is past finding out. He draws up the drops of water, which distill as rain to the streams. The clouds pour down their moisture, and abundant showers fall on mankind. Who can understand how he spreads out the clouds, how he thunders from his pavilion? See how he scatters his lightning about him, bathing the depths of the sea. This is the way he governs the nations, and provides food in abundance. He fills his hands with lightning, and commands it to strike its mark. His thunder announces the coming storm. Even the cattle make known its approach. At this my heart pounds and leaps from his place. Listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumble that comes from his mouth. Isn't that powerful stuff? Oh, what a glimpse into the character and the nature of God. And yet, in the midst of the passage that we've just read, it goes and says right there that God is mighty but does not despise men. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. He does not keep the wicked alive but gives the afflicted their rights. And so, when we look at this world, when we think of all that is going on, the news broadcasts and TV just show us the wickedness and the terribleness of mankind. And yet God is active in and amongst these situations. Do you believe it? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? So often we wonder where God is. And yet Elihu is telling us God is there. And he doesn't despise men. He doesn't despise you. He doesn't despise me. He cares about people, even though he is God himself. Isn't that exciting stuff? Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And as I was saying at the start of March, this book is a book that excites me no end, the book of Job, beginning with the afflictions that have been placed out upon Job and the suffering that he had, then his Friends turned up and comforted him for seven days when they said nothing. But then when they opened their mouths, 
Well, it was a different story. And Elihu all the time sat in silence, listening to the discourse that went and took place between Job and his three friends. And of course, the thing that they were doing is that they were saying, you've done wrong. This is your fault. You deserve this. When that, as we all know, wasn't the case at all. He didn't deserve to be going through what he was going through. And yet Job went and refused to curse God, refused to go and blame God for the tragedy that was taking place in his life. Even his wife had gone and said to him, look, just curse God and die. He said, no, 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 not doing that. It's very easy for us to go and say, well, you know, wasn't that a nice thing of his wife to say? But remember, his wife suffered all that loss as well. And here she is looking at her husband suffering in untold agony, in disgrace, out on an ash heap, scraping his skin with a broken piece of pottery. She couldn't take any more. Job was resolute. He wasn't going to give in. But yes, he does demand an answer from God. Yes, he's saying, God, answer me. Why? Why is this happening to me? At no point did he curse God. At no point did he blame God. But he wanted answers. And then Elihu starts to speak and goes and starts to give us an insight into the heart of God as we've just been reading. And then in chapter 38 of Job, the Lord himself speaks. And I would just like to read an extract to you from this section of the book because I love this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. And he said, Who is this that darkens my counsel? with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Or what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped in it thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, This far you may come and no further. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning, or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light, and where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths of their dwellings? Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years." Have you entered the storehouses of snow, or seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for the days of war and battle? What is the way 
or the place where the lightning is dispersed, or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts the channel for the tartans of rain, and a path for the thunderstorm, to water a land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it, to satisfy a desolate wasteland, and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice, who gives birth to the frost from the heavens, when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons, or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, Here we are? Who endowed the heart with wisdom, or gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens, when the dust becomes hard, and the clods of the earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey of the lioness, and satisfy the hunger of lions, when they crouch in their dens, or lie in the waiting thicket, who provides food for the raven when his young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Isn't it powerful? You know, even as we go and consider science, and we can answer some of these questions now due to scientific research and things like that, but at the same time, at the same time, there are many things that are not answered. People like to go and have an argument about creation versus evolution. Many would all go and speak of evolution as fact, when it's not, it's a theory. Here is God saying, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Isn't that an interesting statement? And yes, it is one of the hotly debated topics that we have. How did this world begin? Oh, it couldn't be so simple as a creator God now, could it? It couldn't be that someone came and actually sculpted the earth and formed it, measured it out, could it? Modern-day scientists, or many modern-day scientists, would like to go and say, no, it had nothing got to do with a deity going and doing anything like this. But the question is, do we actually think that? When you look at the nature around about you, the way that everything is so finely planned, the way that everything works and moves and has its being. There's ads on the radio saying we need to look out for our bees at this present moment in time because if we don't look after our bees, then our earth is not going to be pollinated and then it goes and brings about devastation because we don't have proper crops. We end up that the flowers don't go. And, and so all this cycle is there. But the question is, who created that cycle that we so desperately depend on? We talk about eco-topics and the need to look after our world, to ensure that these practices and ways of nature continue unhindered. But how do those ways of nature come about? Is it by design or by evolution? I personally believe that it was by design. And one of the reasons I believe it is, here's why. You and I as human beings have got a creative mind. We design things. Look at our world. It is full of our creations. And that to me is evidence of 
a creator God. Let's continue our discussions after the break. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And yes, I'm exploring the book of Job. I'm reading large extracts of it because it is a book, as I have said at the very beginning, that excites me no end. And when we get into chapter 39, we're still reading God's discourse with Job, where he's questioning Job about all that we see in this world, the created things of the world. And now he actually gets into the ways of various different animals and how they go and conduct themselves in our world. And so this is what he goes and says. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they will give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow. Strong in the wilds, they leave and do not return. Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied his ropes? I gave him the wasteland as his home, the salt flats as his habitat. He laughs at the commotion in the town. He does not hear a driver's shout. He ranges the hills of his pasture and searches for any given thing. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? Will he stay by your manger at night? Can you hold him to the furrow with a harness? Will he till the valleys behind you? Will you rely on him for his great strength? Will you leave your heavy work to him? Can you trust him to bring in your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? Of course, the answer is no, 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 no. You can't, can you? And then we get on to the ostrich. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. But they cannot compare with the pinions and the feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them, that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly, as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labour was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. Yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. Do you give the horse his strength, or clothe his neck with a flowing mane? Do you make him leap like a locust, striking terror with his proud snorting, his paws fiercely rejoicing in his strength? He charges into the fray, he laughs at fear, afraid of nothing, he does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against his side, along with the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still with the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet he snorts. Aha! He catches the scent of battle from afar, and the shout of commanders and the battle cry. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread his wings towards the south? Does the eagle soar at your command? and build his nest on high. He dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is his stronghold. From there he seeks out his food, his eyes detected from afar, his young ones feast on blood, and where the slain are, there he is. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. 
when we look at nature and the wonders of nature, and nature is wonderful, can we not see the handprint of God in it all? Oh, yes. When you look at the eagle and the hawk, as it goes and says, flying there, I was watching a documentary about the vultures in Africa and they decided that they wanted to try to get rid of these vultures because they were just vermin, they were everywhere, they're fighting, they're arguing, they're creating hassle. And so they almost had the vulture extinct, got rid of, but then there was a problem. The problem was that the ecosystem started to suffer because the vulture was missing, because there was nothing to go and remove the dead carcasses. And so the vulture was required so that the ground, the waterways, all these various things were not poisoned by the rotting or decayed carcasses of the dead. Isn't it interesting how that is the case? We all know about the simple rabbit. And people went and brought the rabbit to Australia so that they could go shooting it. And then... The problem was that the rabbits bred and they overran Australia. And so that's why myxomatosis was invented to try and rid Australia again of the rabbits. The reason being that the ecosystem in Australia was not able to cope or deal with the rabbit. There was no natural predator to keep its numbers at bay. Everything has its order, has its place, moves smoothly. Surely that is the sign of a creator God. Surely that is the sign of a God who is in control. Surely that is a sign of how our world is so beautifully balanced by the creator God. Do you not think so? I think so. And so when I look at this world around about me, when I look at the wonders of nature, even with our domestic animals, isn't it wonderful, the ways of God in nature? I love that piece about the wild donkeys. You also know that the zebra cannot be actually tamed. It is impossible to tame a zebra. Isn't that interesting how this wild donkey just laughs and snorts and has no regard for anything or anyone? And the zebra is the same, could never be domesticated. Let's look at the wonders of nature. Let's think about how this world works. The rain rises, the seasons come, the seasons go. And right back in the very book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, when Noah was there and the world had been flooded, and then the floods had receded, God went and said that he was going to give us a rainbow, which was a sign of his promise that he would never flood the whole of the earth again as long as there was seed time and harvest, summer and winter, day and night. Do you know what that means? That means that God has promised that he will make provision all the time. And he does. The biggest problem, actually, in our world is humanity and our greed. Those of us who have much give nothing to those who have little. There's enough food actually in this world to sustain everyone. It's a given fact in our quest of greed and perfection and things looking right. There are mountains of food, fruit and vegetable destroyed every year. 
just so that we have the perfect apple on our shelf, perfect carrot on our shelf. What if we were to go and distribute that not-so-perfect fruit, that not-so-perfect vegetable all over the world? It is said, with the apples that come out of New Zealand alone, if all of them were used, apples would only be cost about two to three cent. Fact. God's abundant provision destroyed by man's greed. Think about it. But we give God the hard time over, don't we? Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. We've been looking at the book of Job, the book that we've all been reading over this last number of weeks. We've been pondering what Elihu has been saying, just very briefly, but how God, even though he is God, and above all, does not despise man, and is aware of our issues and problems, that he upholds the case and the cause of the righteous, and he brings the wicked to naught. But God is a God of grace, and allows all of us time to repent, time to gather ourselves right before him, time to go and make changes, and that's what the whole Easter story is about also. The Easter story is God's grace extended to you. God's grace extended to me. And so if you're alive this morning and awake and able to listen to the sound of my voice, that is also God's grace. As you look at the rain falling on the ground, replenishing the earth, that is a sign of God's grace. As you see everything green up before you, that there is grass in the fields, that the vegetables that you've planted are starting to sprout and grow. That is God's grace. As you go about your life and have this very day in front of you, this day to live, where you can awake knowing the fact that God loves you, that you can go to bed at the end of it knowing that God has been faithful in his love to you. That is a sign of God's grace. Every day that goes and dawns is a new day, and with a new day is new hope. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, our Saviour. Jeremiah was sitting in the ruins of Jerusalem when he wrote that. Maybe you're someone right now and life is ruined. Life is in a dark space. And for many people, life is in a dark space. Maybe you have been someone who has been affected by the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're just someone and you're going through the doldrums. You're in a place of serious depression and no one seems to understand. Maybe you are someone and you're on the mountaintop. You are filled with joy right now. You are just so excited to be alive that you cannot see a problem at all in the world. The fact that you're alive, breathing, irrespective of whatever condition you find yourself in, hear me, folks, is a gift of God's grace. God is here. God is amongst us. God cares for us. God loves us. God intends only good towards you. God wants you to come to him. As we read 
in this passage of scripture already. God woos us away from danger. Are you listening? Do you hear him gently calling you? Loving you away from hardship and grief, bitterness and brokenness, maybe even death itself? Do you hear the voice of God? The Psalms also speak about how God goes and ministers to us through all of creation. Romans tells us that we are without excuse because if we look at it, this world around us, we can see a creator God. And yet that creator God stepped into our situation in the person of Jesus Christ. And he is wooing you to come to him. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? How often so many of us go and rant and rail about how we would like to have words with God, that we need to deal with him. I mean, how can he allow this stuff go on? Let him who accuses God answer him. And this then is Job's answer. Then Job answered the Lord. I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? Can you voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor, and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at every proud man and bring him low. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Of course we can't. But as human beings, that's what we try to do, isn't it? Lord it over the other person. Try to put them on the straight and narrow. Remember Reverend Irene went and said to me once, We all love us when others go and live according to the Ten Commandments. Are you someone like that? You wish that everybody else would live an upright and good life, but you're free to do as you please. Challenging stuff. You know what the Lord goes and says in the book of Isaiah? Come, let us reason together. I would encourage you to reason with God. Do you want to know how you can reason with God? Read his word. Continue to read the scriptures. And that's why over the next, maybe you're only joining us now. Maybe this is only a new adventure for you. But why not join us as we begin first up with the book of Galatians in the New Testament. And we continue through, right the whole way through to Philemon. Reading one chapter a day. And come reason with God. Reason with what he is saying. Hear him out. Argue it through with him. And see what sort of a journey God takes you on. As you read his word. Oh folks I've told you at the beginning. I love the book of Job. I've only shared some little extracts from you. I hope you've been blessed by them. I hope that you've been encouraged by them. And I hope that this encourages you to read his word to read the bible for yourself you may not agree with it you may actually disagree with it you may not even believe in god you may just go and say nigel this is all a load of rubbish well then before you can actually conclude that 
read the scripture first and then come back to me and go and give me your argument why that is the case. Why don't you join with me one chapter a day beginning at the book of Galatians and let's read our way through Paul's letters over the next coming month. Until next time, folks, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, show your grace and turn his face towards you and give you peace. And folks are really, really grateful. Word of thanks to all of you who tune in to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. So next till next time, the Lord bless. <laughs>